So have you ever developed a bad habit? I mean, this is the new year and it's time to get old habits out and bad habits, but have you ever developed a bad habit? Maybe it was your morning ritual or routine, the way you get up in the morning and it's get up in the morning and grab a cup of coffee and look at Facebook and sit around for a couple of hours and not really do anything. Um, or maybe it's grab the newspaper. Um, and you, you think, well, I need to change that, that habit. And it really takes effort to change those habits once they're kind of set. Maybe, maybe it's a habit of unhealthy eating or a lack of exercise. And you continually find yourself falling back into those same patterns and habits. Maybe it's an unhealthy habit in relationships where you find yourself always creating um, strife between you and other people, or maybe the, playing the victim card on every, um, in every relationship that you have. But those unhealthy relationships that we create can be really difficult to destroy and recreate new habits. Because our brain is wired in such a way that it wants to simplify everything that it can. It wants to make everything almost automatic. It's the reason why when you drive to work for the 2,715th day of your career, that you forget that you actually passed that gas station. And you look up and you think, wait, I didn't remember going past that school. It's because our brain wants to simplify those patterns and those habits. And it got me to thinking. Is it possible for a church to develop bad habits? Is it possible for a church to develop bad habits? And I, I think one of the most dangerous bad habits we can fall into as a church is the habit of complacency. Where you get up and you walk in the doors of the building. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And you sit in a pew and you sing the songs and take communion. You might even throw something in the offering plate or give online. You sing the songs and then we're good. I feel pretty good about my faith. And I'd say it's a dangerous habit because when that habit begins to become part of the culture of a church, the church is inevitably going to go into decline. Because the lifeblood of the church has always been this energy gathered around Jesus and his spirit in this place and living through his people so that his people come together to celebrate him and go out into this world to make him known in this world. That was always the purpose of the church. It was never a place where people were simply invited to come and gather and just be here. But it was about people 
that were commissioned to go into all the earth and make Jesus known. And if you ask and and look at the cycle, the history of our church, I think it's kind of a pattern or a habit we had developed several years ago. A pattern and habit of just simply coming and being so used to doing what we're doing and everything is as it is that we really lose sight of the mission because our brains have gone to autopilot. And so back in 2016, we made the decision as a church that we wanted to reimagine who Shiloh Road was going to be going into the future. And really to refocus and reclaim that mission that God has for his church and make it the central aspect, the central part of our church here in Tyler, Texas. Because one of the things that that fascinates me as you read through the Bible, especially when you come to the book of Acts, this early church who is sitting here in this this state of shock because Jesus has died and has been buried, and they're thinking, we don't know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, he's resurrected, and he tells them to go and wait. And they go and wait, and they don't really know what they're waiting for. And these flames, these flaming tongues, and and this fire starts to to develop in this room, and this passion, this fire, this energy starts to happen. And then all of a sudden, um, this message is proclaimed by Peter, and 3,000 people are baptized in one single day, and it seems like there's this energy in this church, this fire and this passion, and then they put Peter in jail to shut this whole thing down, and yet God rescues him from jail, and it seems like nothing that Rome or the religious leaders or anyone else wants to do to stop this church can. And then there's this guy named Paul who's going around killing Christians He's killing Christians, and yet Jesus gets a hold of Paul, and he turns him into this most powerful minister. And he goes, and and people are afraid of Paul at first because of who he was. And he has to spend time convincing them that, no, 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 I am for you. Because Jesus has changed and transformed me, and this church is exploding and the amazing, amazing part of this story is it begins with this really small group of people who had one single message. We saw Jesus raised from the dead. And that changes everything. And let's, listen, it's so easy to fall into the routine. I mean, every seven days it comes around. You get up and you drive here and you probably don't have to think about your route. You just do it. And you probably don't think about where you sit. You might even get mad if someone sits in your seat. And we get so used to playing the game. And so in 2016, we said we've kind of fallen into this cycle. We want to reimagine who we are as a church. 
And we, out of this church, formed what we called our vision team. And we walked away with this new vision that we said we wanted to build towards 2034. Because we believe if we could begin to live out this mission and make this the, the core of who we are once again, that it wouldn't just change this church, that it had the possibility to change this world. But at the very least, that it would change Tyler, Texas. And that's one of the questions we've been asking over the last several months is, is, is our city better because we are here? Because we don't want to be just the greatest church um, in Tyler, Texas. We want to be the greatest church for Tyler, Texas. And so this vision, understand, came out of the DNA of who Shiloh has always been. When you go back 40 plus years, when this church began really in a shopping mall and, and has grown into this, there was a passion for, for worshiping Jesus and a passion for fellowship and, and love for one another. And there was a passion for making him known outside of these walls. But something has changed. And it's the world around us. It's changed. It's dramatically different in 40 years, right? Think things are not as they were then. And so the, the methods change of how we reach our world. But the core of that mission never changes. And so this vision team really asks the questions of what's Tyler like right now, but what is it going to be like in 2030? And the vision we, we came back and presented to you and you got to be a part of in our um, all-church gatherings in, in Gate 11 is we want to be a church that exalts Christ, that encourages one another, and that engages our neighbor. That we want to be a church that gathers here to exalt Jesus, but not that we exalt Jesus just one hour, two hours a week in this place, but that 24-7, our worship, our exaltation of Jesus is known and seen by everyone. Then we want to be a church that gathers. And listen, I love, I love the fact that we have online for people to be able to connect with us. But, but I hope and pray if you're able to be here, that you would be here. Because there's something really powerful when you put all of us collectively in one place. And it's not to make anyone feel guilty who can't be here. If you're on vacation or you're sick or you're homebound, please, please, please utilize that. But please don't let it replace coming together here. Because this is really, really, really important that we gather and we're part of this community. And that we encourage one another, that we lift one another up. Because listen, some days you have hard days. Some weeks, some seasons of life are really difficult. And you need other people to walk alongside you in this journey or it's going to be even more difficult than you could ever imagine to still follow Jesus. And that we want to be a church that reaches into our community and engages our neighbor. Remember, we want to pull on the same rope. We want to pull for people because we are for people. We're for our city. And out of this, we, as a staff, 
got together and kind of started looking at what it looks like to be a part of the church. What's the core of our DNA um, as, as Shiloh Road? But more importantly, what does it need to continue to be as we move forward to 2030? And so several years, um, back in 2017, I guess, um, we came up with what we call our core values. Um, and you're going to get one of these when you leave today. It has our vision on the, the front side and on the back. It talks about core values. And these core values, and Truett Cathy said at one point, and Truett Cathy, Cathy is the CEO of Chick-fil-A, that he said, if you don't know why it works when it works, then you won't know how to fix it when it's broken. And, and I think there's so much truth in that. And so we wanted to kind of distill what it is that makes Shiloh Road Shiloh Road and really get down to the core of who we are. And so we said this, we want to be people who pursue God together. We want to be a place where people matter. And that's one of the, the things as a church that I've seen from the very moment I first stepped on this campus. That this has always been a place that cares for and loves people. And that cannot ever change. That we believe circles, not rows, lead to life change. That this is great that we gather together, but we also need to move people into smaller community so that they can live life together. They can live life on mission together. They can be a part of something bigger than themselves. That we want to be a church that invests and invites. Because just think about this. For, for every single person in here, you are here because someone brought you. Someone invited you. Someone may have drugged you here, but regardless, you are here because someone brought you or invited you to come. And we have to be a church that invests in the life of people and that invites them to come join us on this journey. That we've always been a church of amazing, amazing, amazing generosity. I mean, if you look on the back of our bulletin this last year, it, that blows my mind. Not, not only did we meet and exceed our budget for 2019, you also gave over $30,000 to a hurricane relief fund. You also gave um, over $250,000 to our REACH project. That, that is amazing. There are so many other stories in this place of ways that you have seen needs in people's lives individually and collectively, and we've met those needs. We've reached, reached out and blessed people. And then the last thing, and this is so, so vital as a church, if we're going to be a church that is still reaching people a decade from now, that we have to multiply ourselves. We have to be a church that teaches people to do what you do and allows them to minister. Because for so long, we've thought of our churches as a church where there's a ministry staff of five people, or maybe three people, or maybe 10 people, or 15, whatever. But the church has an incredible ministry, ministry staff. It has um, 500 plus ministers 
that God has called to go out into this world and share Jesus Christ and the gospel that has saved us with this world. And we get to be a part of that. And it is so important. And so over the next several weeks, we want to look at these core values and we want to look at our vision and what this looks like. There's a passage in, in, I'm sorry, in in Colossians chapter 3. And this is why it's so important to pursue God together. When we talk about pursuing God, this is why it's so important. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And he he tells you to set your mind. But but here's the thing. As you walk out these doors, and you go and you get in your car, and you go home, you go back to your life, and you have your kids, and you have your job, and it's so difficult to keep your mind and your heart set on things above when there are all these other things going on, if there are not other people around you who are pointing you back to Christ. That that community, that fellowship, that belonging is vital for a church. He goes on to say, put to death, therefore, Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of things the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived. Now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. He says, put all this to death. And the reason why is you look at all of these. It's not just simply these are sinful and you're going to die if you do them. There's like part of that. But the bigger aspect is what it does to this is it breaks down community. It breaks down relationship. It tears things apart, and it makes unity almost impossible. I mean, how many marriages are wrecked because of sexual immorality and lust? How many relationships are torn apart because that's there? It does not build up relationship. And so there's got to be other people on the journey helping you to live this out in your life, to put this to death, and to continue to point you back to Christ and say, no, no, this is what we're about. This is what matters to us. And he talks about taking it off and putting it on, and then putting on something new, the image of your creator, which was there all along. He goes on to say in verse 12, skipping down, Therefore is God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. That does not just happen. That is something that you have to be intentional about. And it's something that you have to surround yourself with others who are intentional about the same thing. I I just, like, 48 minutes ago, I heard a story from a guy who goes to this church who left a job because the people that were surrounding him were not strong Christians. And he went back to another job that he didn't like as much because the people that were surrounding him. That's huge. That's exactly what the point is here in Colossians. You cannot do this on your own. You have to have people joining you in this process who are a part of what we are a part of and who are moving in the same direction that you are. And he says to clothe yourself. And really goes back to the fruits of the Spirit for the most part. Let these come out of yourself and then clothe yourself in love, because love, where, where the other things tear down community, love builds it up. It binds, it unifies, it creates peace, and it gives us a reason that we are thankful. And, and here's the thing. You look around our world, and just imagine there's two cities. And one city looks like the first part we we read about, where it says it's full of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, which is idolatry. It's full of anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language. And you see a city right down the road, just 10 or 12 miles away. And it's full of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and people forgiving one another and loving one another. And it seems there's peace. I just ask, like, which city would you want to live in? Which city would you want to set up shop? Which city would you want to be a part of? And here's the thing, is no matter where you look, you're never going to find that other city that looks peaceful and perfect. But it is the city, it is the world that we, as the people of God, were called to create, that we were called to build as we go out into this world. Because the message The message that we share cannot stay here. It has to go. And so we want to be a church that is pursuing God together. 
And one of the ways that we've done that is we, and, and a part of our 2030 vision, is we said we want to redesign our ministry system around the way we function, the way we operate, the way we're organized. We want to organize it around our ministry system. We don't want to just put something in place with names and, and titles and things like that. We want it to build on our system to help us as a church to better exalt Christ, encourage one another, and engage our neighbor. And so for the past year, we've been in this process of trying to design our ministry system. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time going back through it. Um, you should have got an email with that link in it. It's on our website. You can go there, and there is a um, presentation where I kind of walk you through the ministry system. But I do want to kind of highlight just a couple of things. If you can go to that first one, Dustin, um, with the triangle. Um, at the core of this system, and if, you, if you're new to this, understand that it is three-dimensional, it is directional, and it is cyclical. So at the very core, the foundation is our shepherds that we, we believe are here leading us, and they are helping us to love and encourage and shepherd and take care of the flock. And a part of this is our 2030 vision that we are wanting to be people that exalt Christ because we believe as people learn to exalt and love Christ, they're going to go into deeper community and deeper relationship with one another. They're going to encourage one another more. And as they encourage one another more, they're going to leave and go out on mission together. And that's going to be a part of how they function in this world because they're going to do it together. And as they begin to go out on mission together, it's going to increase their love for Christ even more as they see Christ moving and sharing and changing this world. And we believe that this is powerful. It is the, the hope that we have in the gospel. And so we reorganized all of our ministries, every single ministry we have, we fit into ministry families. These ministry families, there are eight, um, I'm sorry, there are seven ministry families. There are worship services, administration, first impressions, biblical study, community, missions, and outreach. And then the seventh ministry family is the yellow triangle that is our family ministry. And we want that to go throughout everything we do. Because there's an aspect of family ministry in every single one of these ministry families, right? There's an aspect of family ministry in our worship by putting our, our children and our teenagers up here to read on a weekly basis because we believe that's important in building the next generation and trying to find more and more ways as we move forward to make them a part of what we're doing in here so that they're not just auditing and sitting by, that they get to be a part of this church, and so in this system, we've invited as ministers and, and shepherds 14 different men to serve as deacons. And we did this um, because there were some very specific qualities that we were looking for in these people. Because our hope in this ministry system is that every ministry within these ministry families function together. So for instance, first impressions we, we believe it's very important that people feel welcome and at home the second they step foot on this campus. And so we want our First Impressions team working together, not just individual ministries 
kind of spread out doing their own thing, but all of us cohesively working together. And the role of the deacon in this system is to help create synergy and help these ministry families work together. Um, the, the reason that we're, we're doing it, and now, real quick, our deacons seek to build synergy within their ministry family, which is the gray octagons and the yellow triangle, by facilitating conversation with ministry leaders as we seek to make a greater impact on the life of people by helping people take the next step. Right? We want them, it's directional, we want them to move forward we want them to go from encountering Shiloh and being a part of us to moving into community together and going out on mission together. That, that's the direction we want people moving. And so we have invited these 14 men, and it's not to say others aren't qualified. Um, it's just simply to say these are people that are very um, plugged in. They are leading in some capacity in our church, and um, that we feel very strongly about. And so our shepherds um, are going to be joining me up here um, in just a second. If you want to head this way now. Um, and we're going to introduce these men that we've selected, and Ron's going to tell you a little bit more about this process. I just want to begin by telling you that uh, I and each of my fellow shepherds behind me uh, are so excited to be able to introduce to you this morning uh, these 14 men uh, along with their wives who we are proposing to you to serve in the role of deacons here at Shiloh. We firmly believe that each of these men possess the qualities specified in 1 Timothy 3 verses 8 through 13, which reads as follows, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith in Christ Jesus. In addition to the qualities that specified uh, in this passage of scripture. As Gary mentioned, we've done our best to identify men possessing the ability to connect with their ministry leaders within each of their respective ministry families. We look for men with the necessary skills uh, to serve as helpers and encouragers uh, and leaders within their ministry families and to um, establish accountability uh, for each ministry. Uh, in summary, we strove to identify men with the skills necessary as effective coaches and mentors to the ministry leaders in their family. It's my pleasure in just a moment
to introduce these men to you, and I will ask that they come forward as I mention their names along with their wives, and if they will stand behind me and before our elders here, uh, I will introduce them to you. First, uh, I'll do that by worship family, by ministry family, and the first is Brian Kraft. Brian and Cerise have been married for 36 years, and they have been members here at Shiloh for 35 years. Brian has served as a deacon for many years here at Shiloh, and specifically, as uh, the men well know, uh, he uh, does a great job in lining out people to share in worship. Chuck Munoz. Chuck and Lisa have been married 37 years and are 34-year members here at Shiloh. And Chuck has also previously served as a deacon. As you're well aware, he's blessed us by leading our worship services for uh, over 30 years. He does a fantastic job. Administrative. Administration. First, Dick Adams. Dick and Avon have been married 56 years and have been here at Shiloh for the past four years. Dick leads our benevolence ministry, and in doing so, he meets with multiple people weekly to give care and support. He's been a real blessing to those in need. Tim Kirksey. Tim and Janice have been married 40 years and have been at, with us here at Shiloh for the past 22 years. They've been a big part of the history of this congregation and they've done an outstanding job in serving as e-group leaders for a number of years. First impressions, Jay Gornflow, Jay and Lori, have been married for 37 years and have also been at Shiloh for the past four years. He and Lori have assimilated, assimilated well into this congregation and they've been a big part of our greeting ministry and also have been involved in our supper club. Ron Spear. Ron and Trish have been married 32 years and have been at Shiloh for the past 33 years. Ron's a long-time deacon, but he also serves in numerous ministries, including greeting, transportation, security, and probably anything else that you can imagine. Biblical studies. Noel Bethay. Noel and Belinda have been married 46 years and have also been at Shiloh for the past four years. Noel is an excellent teacher and is passionate, passionate about biblical studies. Doug Parsons. Doug and Jennifer have been married eight years and have been at Shiloh for eight years. They are a big part of our young families and have served as class hosts for our college class and Doug is a fantastic Bible teacher. Community, Joseph Dennis 
Joseph and Beth have been married 12 years and have been at Shiloh for the past 10 years. They have been a huge part of our young families and Joseph also uh, teaches classes of all ages. Beth has previously served as our children's minister as well. Brian Richardson, Brian and Brianne have been at Shiloh for five years, even though Bri uh, Brianne grew up here at Shiloh. They are another vital part of our young family's ministry and Brian too is an excellent teacher. Family, James Deal, and I believe James and Lynn are not with us this morning, but, but uh, they have been married for 29 years and have been at Shallow for close to close to the past 19 years. James is a great uh, leader and a big part of our student ministry. Uh, he has additionally been involved in numerous retreats, work days, and has led in wilderness trek. Nathan Manley. Nathan and Tiffany have been married 11 years and have been at Shiloh for the past 10 years. They've been also very actively involved in our young family's ministry. Nathan teaches, serves, and leads. And he's currently leading a Financial Peace University class here at Shiloh and Tif Tiffany also has done an outstanding job in the past uh, working part-time on our staff with technical support. Missions, <clears throat> Marshall May. Marshall and Aaron, I believe Aaron may be taking care of a sick child this morning. Uh, they've been married 11 years. They've been at Shallow for the past 10 years. They've been an integral part of leading our young families. Marshall also serves on the missions committee and regularly, serves, uh, regularly teaches. He also hosts a free dental day each year at his troop uh, dental office. Jared Schultz. Jared and Holly have been married for 29 years and have been at Shadow for the past 25 years. Jared is a longtime deacon and has served as the leader of our Shadow's mission committee uh, for the past several years. Working alongside our staff, each of us as elders will assure you that we've given our very best to identify competent and qualified men to serve in the role of deacon, as we have defined it here at Shallow. Deacons which will help enable us to the extent possible and with the leadership of our Lord Jesus to bring us to about life, to bring about life change. And glory to our Heavenly Father, both within this congregation and within our community. Having done our best to present to you the 14 competent qualified men that we're proposing to serve as deacons. We're hoping that you as our church family will join with us in endorsing their appointment one week from today, next Lord's Day. However, if any are aware of a scriptural, and I emphasize scriptural, reason that would serve to disqualify any of these men from serving, the elders are requesting that you specifically follow the principles outlined in Matthew 18 
by your going first to the man and addressing your concern directly with him in effort to resolve the matter. And if for any reason that cannot be resolved, you may then bring it to us and we will take it further from there. I want to, uh, I just want to tell you that I am so excited about this system. It's not something that has been just thrown together, but has been done through a lot of effort by our ministry staff, uh, Gary, Matt, Burke, Ben, Becca, uh, with much prayer. And when they presented it uh, to the elders, we wholeheartedly uh, endorsed it, supported it, and are so excited about how this system is set up. We understand that it's different than any that I've been involved with my entire life in church history. And it's not something that will just hap happen just because the organization is in place. It will help immensely that we have this infrastructure, but it will only happen by a lot of hard work, dedication, focus, and prayer. And we are so grateful to uh, each of these men who have been willing to have their names along with their wives with their, at their side presented to this church to serve in this capacity. We believe that with your support and your encouragement and your working alongside them to join in ministry to serve this congregation, to serve our entire community, to serve as far as we can throughout the world, that great things will happen to the glory of God. We're going to ask Leonard Kent to come forward now to lead us in prayer, asking for God's blessings in this process. Thank you. Shall we pray? Father, we bow before you at this time, thankful for the opportunity that we have through prayer to come to you. We come to you to glorify, glorify and praise your name. We're here, Father, to thank you for the great things that you have done, that you're the creator of all life that you are our God, and it's through you we know that you have given us hope by sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, who has made it possible for our sins to be cleaned that we and washed away so that we may have the opportunity to be again with you. We know that we are sinful vessels, sinful creatures. And we ask you, Father, to forgive us. Help us as we live our lives in such a way that we may do things that will always please you. Father, we thank you for your love. And Father, as we look 
forward to another beginning here at Shiloh to do things maybe in a little more organized way to help us reach others so they too can enjoy the great blessings that we have through your son Jesus Christ. So we're here to exalt Jesus Christ, your son and our savior. We're here to encourage these men that are on this podium at this time so that they can be an encouragement to each and every one of all of the people that are in this building at this time. We know that they have special gifts. We know that everyone in this room has special gifts. And with our, we'd ask you to lift each and every one of us up so that we may do the most we can for this congregation and that we can reach out into this community and bring the good news to each and every person that we come in contact with. Give us courage. Give us the ability to see the need so that the opportunities that affront each and every one of us will be met so that your kingdom may grow, so that this church will thrive far past our death, knowing that there is life in the everlasting. Father, we thank you for these men that we have invited. We thank you for their wives. We thank you for their just their willingness to say yes to the opportunities that they have. We know that they have done many good things in the past, and we know that, Father, that you will continue to bless them. And we ask your blessings as we lift them up at this time and encourage them. Father, we just know that you love us. We, we love you. And we know that, Father, it's through your Son, Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit and the opportunities that we have in the Bible to read, your, read and reread your word this year, that we will come closer to you. And we ask for that, that we can become closer that we be unified in our efforts that we have here at this church to meet the needs of your kingdom, to make it thrive and be a vital part of this community. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to pray to you at this time. Thank you for blessing us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. On your way out this morning, along with the 2030 vision, we'll also give you one of these cards that has their picture on it. We don't expect you to just to remember exactly where everyone goes. And as I said, um, if you want to see the, the more full presentation of what the system looks like and how it functions and works, you can find it on our website, shilohroad.com, um, under the Ministries tab, and it's entitled Ministry System. Um, the whole purpose of this is invite more people into the work of ministry. We, we want to invite everyone to be a part of what we're doing and help them find a place where they can serve. 
And we believe that, that using deacons in this way as servants will help us to do that. Because ultimately, ultimately what it's about is about Jesus. And so we wanted to end this time as we move towards the supper, um, the, the table of the Lord. And it's that table that we gather around on a weekly basis that reminds us of why this matters, why this mission in this world matters. We, we come to this table as people um, from all different walks of life, different socioeconomic classes, different races, different genders. But at the table, we are all one. We are all equal. And Jesus invites you to that table to share in his death, burial, and resurrection and the fellowship that it brings to us. And so let's focus our mind as we move towards the table.